Welcome to The Solution, a real estate podcast for agents by agents, hosted by Jeff Seabock and Phil Sexton. Jeff and Phil run a residential real estate team that will close over $250 million worth of homes in 2018, and they are sharing their insights on growing a team and winning in the living room with actual buyers and sellers. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to The Solution, a real estate podcast where we talk about putting the consumer first. It is time. We got to change the swell around the country. My co-host, Jeff hey! in the mix, Phil Sexton. We're on episode number 50. 50. The big 5-0. It's almost like we need to have an over-the-hill birthday party celebration, but maybe we'll do that for 75. <laughs> we'll do that in a couple of weeks. But uh, today we are very excited because we've got a guest that's uh, next level, Seabach. I, I am just... Florida, she decided to join us. Like, how are we so well? Uh, I don't know. I, I think just because we asked, or maybe because Dr. Lawrence Yoon put in a good word for us. Oh, well, I think that's whatever it was. Let's good job, for whatever, however, we made this happen. Let's bring on Jessica, everybody. Let's help welcome her to the Jessica Louts. Thanks for being here. Thank you. I'm psyched. So, this is awesome. Yeah, so I'm gonna. I got a couple of data points that I'd like to share with the listeners, just so that they understand the how big of a deal you the are, the caliber <laughs> of guests that we're able to to get on the show to talk to us about the consumer trends in today's market. So you are the director of demographics and behavioral insights at the National Association of Realtors. Yes. And you wow. started. At, did you start at this position? Uh, I did not. No, I've moved around a little bit in the research group, so I've been able to, uh, yeah, grow a little. You started at NAR in 2007. Yes. Since worked your way into this position, you, I I mean, that's like a big, long title that I actually don't know what that (laughs) entails, except what I do know is that you publish and you write the annual studies that NAR produces, such as the member profile the one that we're excited to talk about today is the profile of home buyers and sellers. And you also do the commercial member profile. Wow. So I don't know if you know this, Jeff, but we're talking to a future doctor. She is okay. currently to get her doctorate of real estate from Nottingham Trent University. And her thesis is, is the dream still alive? Wow. Tracking home ownership amid changing economic and demographic conditions. Wow, so that, that's going to lead to a round of applause. Good job. Thank you for coming aboard. Thank you. Thank so, you. I don't know if you know this about me, but I really love real estate. You should come on. <laughs> I really love real estate a lot. So I have um, a few, even though we didn't prep you with these questions, just because you're going off the cuff. No, well, I mean, I... You can say I'm yes. a huge fan of the report, and I cool. pay attention to several trends that have come out of that report in deciding for us to shift our business as we have moved more towards in the new world of selling real estate where consumers have so much more information and how that's changing their buying behavior so, I mean, I went, I use a stat and I just, I want to know if it's true. And I, this is, sorry, I'm going to go to a specific stat, but if you help put that together. Jessica, that, I'm going to help actually get you some talking time today. I want to promise you that. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is great. Yeah, I'm just like so excited. Like I'm yeah. bursting from the seams. So 
I, I use a stat to say that 70% of consumers drive by a house. Is that a stat that you're familiar with? Yeah. So those who are searching online are absolutely looking uh, in the neighborhoods. They're asking agents for more information for what they're searching for online. So nearly every type of buyer today, regardless of their age, starts their process online. So they're looking for homes. They're looking for things completely out of the price range, just looking at beautiful homes and their photos. But also our first-time home buyers are looking for information about the home buying process too. So it's the whole gamut of what you're doing online, whether it's in Starbucks or whether you're showing mom and dad what you can't afford, but everyone's looking online. And then they get off of line and they get in their car and they drive around or they walk around their neighborhood and see what they can actually afford. Is the number as high as 70%? I do not know that number off the top of my head. Thanks for pulling one number I don't know. Okay, good deal. Of course he did. He just asks the customer. (laughs) You know what, Jessica? You know what your answer is when you don't know the number? You just say, you know what, Jeff? You're going to have to read the report. (laughs) (laughs) You have to open 150 pages and read it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, there was just what we see a lot. Well, I mean, we see it to be true just so much where – now the agents have a challenge because they used to have to come to us. And I just wanted to mm-hmm. you know, see how much you see that in your report as well as the, the, I feel like the consumer's driving the bus now. The big thing is though, is that buyers don't know all the information, especially um, repeat buyers are coming back to the market after nine years after living in their home. This is a brand new process. This is not the same experience. So first time home buyers are brand new to the process. They don't know anything. They're going to rely on their agent to actually tell them about the buying process. But your repeat buyers in the market, they really are brand new. They don't remember everything they went through. And the buying process today is completely different than nine years ago. So different, right. Wow. So I told her, and as we were prepped talking about this, uh, episode today. I said that we just recently came from the Zillow Premier Agent Forum, which was a, a conference that Zillow held in Las Vegas this past weekend. And Zillow, well, and ironically, Jessica, you are in Boston currently in your hotel room because the NAR conference is starting officially tomorrow. Wow. Six presentations that you're doing on this data for the, the, the guests, the conference attendees. So thank you for so taking maybe we your time. Just, yeah, so maybe we should just ask her what she thinks she should share with us to help educate No, us. but I'm curious. Oh. Zillow publishes a report on consumer trends oh, yeah. as well. And they have 150 pages of charts and graphs. And I feel like NAR has something that's very similar. So I'm just curious if you – do you look at the, each other's? Like do you – what's the difference between the two reports? I don't think there's any good researcher out there that doesn't look at all the research. You have to look at everything that's in the market. Um, so you don't so you definitely take a look at it. Hmm? <laughs> so you don't you don't sleep, Jessica? Doing a doctorate and working full time means I really don't sleep a lot. Why do you sleep? Say, how do you have all the time? Go ahead. You have caffeine. Um, so I will say that the report that we've been doing, um, I am very lucky to be working on this for more than a decade, but this report that we have at NAR, it's actually the longest running demographic study in the U S of home buyers. It actually goes back to 1981. Um, same year Beyonce was born also myself. So pretty important. (laughs) I mean, come on, that's a really important year out there. (laughs) There was something about you that was similar yeah, to Beyonce. I know. I know. Yeah. Uh-huh. Me, Beyonce, Paris Hilton, I'm pretty sure, all born the same year. So 
And I share a birthday with Harry Potter. It's a really, really important birthday. Now you guys will always know my birthday. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is the longest running demographic study though. And we've changed our methodology in recent years. We actually do it paper and online. We do it in English. We do it in Spanish because we know that there's a growing uh, Spanish speaking population in the US. So we're trying to make sure that we reach everyone who's a recent home buyer who will fill out the survey. Um, we have a huge response to this survey. So we actually have this year over 7,000 responses. Um, in comparison, uh, another survey out there that I've heard of uh, that you mentioned has 3,000 responses of recent home buyers. So a uh, little bit different sample size. Wow. All right. So let me see here. <laughs> so uh, do you? They just, they've got 7,000 responses. I heard that. And the other one had 3,000. Yeah, that's, she said we're more than twice as better than them. <laughs> <laughs> Complete. Yeah, maybe more. She's so polite about it, right? Yeah, maybe I don't know that I'm as polite as she is. (laughs) So awesome. How much do you? How much have you changed the questions that you ask to? Like, do you? Are you seeing? Like, we're seeing a massive shift Mm -hmm. in control. But is that? Is it changing? Only because now you talk about doing this for ten years. So now I have since uh, 1981. New new question. Yeah, but she has. She's been doing it for ten years. But I mean, from the time that you started. Yeah, yeah every year we revisit the survey. Yeah, we, we try and make sure every year that we revisit the survey, that we ask the right questions for today's home buyers. So in the last five years, one of the new ones is, do you have student loan debt as a home buyer? Um, and we're actually asking about the debt load of different types of debt. So student loan debt is number one, credit card debt, auto loans. How is that impacting you getting into the home buying market? Um, and we try and revisit these every year. So we added on healthcare costs, of course, childcare costs, growing issue um, in the US. So we're trying to make sure that we are in touch with today's home buyers, but also making sure that we're in touch with the challenges that they face getting into the market. Um, we do another survey on a monthly basis, and we actually ask all U.S. households, so renters, non-owners, those who are living with mom and dad. It's a phone survey, um, and we also ask homeowners, and we ask them different questions every single month because wow. we want to make sure we're keeping a pulse on what the struggles are. Um, is homeownership valuable? Do you feel it's part of the American dream? Those things don't change. But things that we do see changes on are what the biggest uh, struggles getting into homeownership are um, and how they feel homeownership is changing for them. Uh, so that's like a really interesting one where we can pivot really quickly. Interesting. Yeah. So I have so many questions. So I just want to ask her. I want to ask her about what she just said. I mean, so what is it when when people are coming back? What? How do they look at homeownership now and how did that compare with yesterday? So what we see as far as the American dream and you want to own a home in the future, those two numbers are the most flat and the most boring numbers, I would say, that we have in the data world because people do want home ownership. They do feel it's part of their American dream. But the reasons why they can't get there today are different than they have been historically. The reasons why are rising rental costs, um, their wages are not keeping pace. Um, you see student loan debt come number two. Uh, as an issue. And so you see who's entering the home buying market shift as well. So the home buyers today who are first time home buyers, they're wealthier. They have higher household incomes. They are more likely to have parental help. Um, so we started changing up those questions too. How do you have parental help? Is it just down payments or are you moving from your parents' home without paying rent into home ownership as a way to really enter the home buying market? And we're seeing that shift as well. So uh- 
the number that I thought I saw last was 64.5 or 64.8% was the amount of people that own the phone. Why are you laughing? I'm laughing because you're so precise. That's amazing. Oh, well, <laughs> but is it accurate? <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> now, ownership rate in the U.S. Yes. Yeah, so we're, we're looking in the mid to low 60s, depending on what quarter you're looking at. Um, so now, that's not the peak. <laughs> I'm just teasing. <laughs> the peak was at 69%. So we're nowhere near that 69%. In recent quarters, we have been ticking up. Hmm? What year was that? Oh, my goodness. This is worse than my dissertation defense. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't have to. If you're not sure, that's Read fine. Report, I yeah. just want to know in general, was that was it back in 05 or was it? No, it was it was later than 05. I think we're looking at 2009 was the highest homeownership rate in America that we had seen. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I, well, only because I had a specific question in regard to that idea is that okay. we're, we see the trend actually from your report is where mm -hmm. I pulled it. So, I yep. mean, I'm sorry. I know I, I, I'm picking out this hair off your head and this <laughs> hair off your head. And like, well, tell me about why is it this long? But the we're seeing home people be in homes longer. Mm -hmm. right? Yes. The, economic downturn have you started yeah. to see a shift in that because what we see is i called the category people being frozen mm -hmm. yes. because they can't do anything until their house is worth that they're not underwater right but they're because yeah. their frozen cube stays above water but it's still they can't move so, yeah. I think the ice floats in the water. I'm not sure. Um, okay. That's why it's not underwater. It's frozen. Okay. Like it's not yeah. hanging out. But this category of we have, I mean, because we, <laughs> well, no, but I'm I'm wrapping this in the demand question. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, I see where you're going here. I mean, yes. in Phoenix, yeah. be hundreds of thousands of people that are still frozen from the, the price that they had it. So we're seeing that curb the amount of that. I think that's the number one reason why their supply is down. Mm -hmm. What do you think of that? So we did see uh, the typical tenure that you would want and that we have seen historically is six to seven years that someone would stay in their home before they had a life event, before that caused them to actually move. So whether that's a new job or um, a new baby or a marriage divorce, so on, you have something in your life that happens and it causes you to move. Today, we've seen that tenure in home rise to a peak of 10 years. Um, this last report, we saw it go down to nine. So we are seeing some small shifts there. That being said, we've seen it bounce around nine and 10 for the last few years. So is that a trend? We don't really know. That was a, and, you, and you even had the 2009 answer. You, you, you accused me of being you know, a little hard on you, but you knew the answer. <laughs> You're awesome. <laughs> I didn't know the answer. <laughs> so as far as the tenure in a home goes, yes, there's a lot of reasons why people may have owned that home for a longer period of time. So yes, they may have been underwater. Those who purchased their home eight to 10 years ago, about a quarter were still underwater when they sold their home this last year, or they felt like they, they wanted to delay because they didn't have the funds to actually sell their home. So they're not underwater currently, but they were in the past. And so that did keep them there. Now, you could see that inventory lighten up a little. In that home survey that I mentioned, the one that we're doing on a monthly basis, the last 
quarter of data, we released it on a quarterly basis, we saw that 77% of owners think, you know what, now is a good time to sell. I finally perhaps have equity in my home. We're seeing home prices increase. Maybe we're seeing a little more equity in my own market. And this could be a good time to get on that uh, merry-go-round and actually sell my house. That being said, there's a lot of people who might be fearful right now in really tight markets and markets that are still pretty tight that they may be saying, you know what, if I sell my house right now, am I going to find that next home? So in a really healthy market, you want 6.5 months of supply. Right now, we're still at 4.4 in the latest month's data. So we're still pretty tight. Even though there's a little inventory coming on the market, it's still historically on the tighter side. Right. And now, are we including homes that are under contract in that number or uh, pendings or just just under contract, not pending? No. So that's the available inventory in the market in that month's supply number. So um, as far, yeah. So we're still not seeing, now there are some markets though that are starting to see inventory, but the inventory where we really want it is at that entry level point price point. So for those first time home buyers who are suppressed right. um, or potentially people who want to downsize, we're not seeing that as a huge trend anymore. And that's likely because those smaller, more affordable condos aren't available in the market. All right, oh, we so see we'll, down, downsizers in our market. Yeah, it's you, you are seeing them now. Yeah. We have been seeing them, but with you, okay. seeing them, obviously, I'm going to pay more attention to whether that's becoming more popular or less popular, right? I mean, to me, downsizing has become more popular because what we've seen, based upon the last that you said that the I don't know, I read in your report last year mm-hmm. that because the people, this is just a summation of it, but. Because the people have lived in their house longer, meaning almost 10 years, mm-hmm. they're predicting that they're going to be in their next home longer. Yes. That they're choosing to release themselves from the burden of a bigger house, which I didn't see 10 years ago. Like they, they're selling quicker. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that shows up, how it shows up in your report, but they're choosing the downsize. And then they're going, they all want one level, no steps, right? Because they feel like they're going to be in it for the next 15 years. And because they're right. living longer, I don't know if you do any stats on living yeah. longer. Yeah. They're more fearful that they're going to be in bad health or something. But we see that show up in their buying patterns or wishes, at least. Totally. That absolutely makes sense. So, what I think, so, so many numbers here. Okay. So, the median age of a repeat buyer in the market back in the 1980s used to be in their 30s and today it's in their mid 50s. Um, so that's a huge shift in your repeat buyer. Uh, I would say that what I said is true. Because yes. <laughs> <laughs> whatever number you would have said would have said that. <laughs> so go on. <laughs> More about okay. Okay, so more things that you're true on. So that that buyer in their mid-50s, that repeat buyer, they're planning on keeping that home for 15 years. But when you cut that by generations, some generations are actually planning on keeping that for 20 years. They're saying they're never moving. This is their forever home. They're planning on aging in place once they purchase that home. Um, a lot. Yes. Yeah. So that's definitely a shift from someone who's in their 30s. They're not planning on living there for 20 years. They're planning on living there for five to 10 years. Um, so that is a huge change in the market. And that 50 something year old, they're very likely purchasing a multi-generational home for aging parents living there, for adult children living there, for children under the age of 18 living there. 
So they're taking care of a lot of family members in that home and that home has to fit their needs. Are you guys seeing that there in your local market? Yes. Multi-generational homes? Yes. Well, yeah. I, I phrase it differently. I say that there's more boomerang children and boomerang <laughs> yeah. parents that are not <laughs> to make buying decisions to support lots of people. But I, I mean, yeah. it seems like uh, the baby boomer, I don't know if it's their uh, wealth level is the highest of the family and that therefore it has lots of people still relying on that person controlling yep. the family. Yeah. Yeah. So really interestingly, definitely a younger boomer issue, right? But this last year we saw it as a Gen Xer issue too. We thought maybe that was just that particular generation, younger boomer sandwich generation, they're taking care of everyone. Um, but we're starting to see a growth in Gen Xers who actually are buying multi-generational homes too. Gen Xers are hitting their 50s and they're also that peak earning years. So they're actually starting to take care of other generations as well. Yeah. Oh, no, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I think that um, well, my mother-in-law lives with us and she helps take care of my three kids, which is a wonderful. Wow. Job. That's amazing. Good job. Good job. I love you. So, what are, <laughs> all right, because you piqued my interest now because that was a huge shift mm -hmm. that, I mean, to me is – Spot on. I mean, obviously, it's nice to know that I see it and you see it, and it's like, you know, that means your data is so freaking good. <laughs> but uh, he's what, critical. What, so uh, yeah, no, I'm, not, I'm usually not this nice. The, uh, <laughs> what other stats that you got that you saw such a major swing? Because from 30 to 50s is yes. massive. Like yeah, that absolutely. Like the whole movement. In my opinion. Yeah. So I think that's a huge demographic shift, right? In that age. One of the things that I think is really fascinating, we added this chart this year, is looking at, we hear so much about millennials, they're not getting married, they're not having babies with two legs. Definitely. And so we cut the data all the way back to the 80s. And we saw that, yeah, more than 50% of people back in the 80s did have children under the age of 18 living in their home. And today it's less, it's about a third. So that is a massive drop in families who have children under the age of 18. You know the data really well and that moved quicker. So yeah, say that again, slow yeah, down a little slow, bit. Yeah. We're here with okay. you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the 1980s. The people today have hold on, less kids or more kids. Yeah. They have less kids. There's less children's in homes. The birth rate in the U.S. has dropped to a 30 year low. But what we're seeing on the home buying side is it's matching it. So people are not having their buying decisions dictated oh, by children okay. under the age of 18. They may not have children at all, may choose not to have children, and they're purchasing a home for themselves. They don't necessarily need to be within a specific school district. They instead want to be close to a dog park. They want to be close to a walkable right. community. Is, is it because is there because they're buying a VRBO property and no. they don't care? No. Oh. Our studio audience lives 100 yards from a dog park, right? I think you're hitting the nail on the head here. We've got your four-legged child. I like that you specified two legs versus four. <laughs> the four-legged children are now taking more precedent in the home decision and where you Absolutely. live. For some <laughs> buyers, that is the most important for them. So for unmarried couples... Um, one in five of them said, my neighborhood preference is driven by my proximity to the vet and to a green space for my dog. That is a huge shift in home buyers today. So millennials get a bad rap about not having kids, but their buying preferences are still driven by something outside of them. Their own selfishness to their coffee shop is driven to buy their pet. 
Wow. Yeah. I love that. I mean, the marketing idea is. Yeah. I know. Start talking like that. I was like, we got, you got work to do, buddy. Wow. We got to start. Right. Was, we need the dog Seabock park. dog park. We yeah. need a dog park. <laughs> we used to have a golf course map. Now we're going to have a dog park. Yeah. There you go. There you go. We blogged, we blogged about dog parks. And not enough. Not enough. Yes. 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 All right. So we got some questions we got to get to. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I do. This, I think this is fascinating. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. Right. You've been wonderful. I just, I didn't, uh, thank you for bringing the vibrance that you have. We've been doing yeah. All right, so we have this thing called putting the consumer first in real estate. And actually, why he brought up Zillow is, is we see corporations leading the realtor population in being more consumer oriented. Meaning, when we hear word from Open Door, because they're listening to the consumer, like you're doing the study. But are, I mean, and you're doing it for the agents, but I don't know that the agents are responding to, you know, the consumer as much as we, you know, as we hear them speaking out through your report. So well, the, well, the questions that we typically ask our guests are geared towards them who are working with consumers. But I think that we actually kind of shifted the questions for you because what instead of asking you the three things that we think the consumers are asking for, I'd like to instead say, ask you, what are the consumers asking for? So what are the what are the three most important things that you see home buyers asking for today? So the number one thing, and this has actually grown in importance with tight inventory, the number one thing is just finding the right home. More than half of buyers are saying, what I want from the agent is just to find the right home. <laughs> and it used to be helping negotiate contract terms, and they were closer in range that those would be understanding the process, especially the home. first time home buyers, just I find the home. Them. Oh, just I, find I, home. And that's oh, so, so important for all home buyers. It doesn't matter how you cut that data, it's the number one priority. And I would say the last three years that's been the most important. And the biggest struggle in the home search process is finding that right home. My assumption is that whenever the inventory drops to the levels like it is now, that <laughs> one grows in popularity. Is that? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I would definitely because say that. That's no. frustrating, right? Like that's the frustration that people can't find yeah. that house. And so they're eager to tell you on a report that that's the reason that's what's wrong right now. My agent yeah. couldn't find me the house. So what suggestions yeah. do you make then for agents that are choosing to let them find let the consumer find the home on their own mm -hmm. right and that's what we see in the data too is that people are finding their home online right it's the number one thing you're constantly searching but what they the consumers who just bought a home what they say that they want from their agent is tell me exactly when a home is listed tell me when something goes under contract give me real-time updates as fast as you can um, make sure that i'm on those email lists Make sure you're sending me the text messages so that I can get that information as quickly as possible. And that's what we're hearing from consumers just as fast as possible. Can you send me that information? Right. No, I, I love that. That changes. Like, I, I mean, I just looked at Mo while you were talking and I said, we got to make some adjustments because what you're saying right now is how, I mean, we have based business processes on this report for years. years. And so now to hear today's version I think is nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change. We're still mm -hmm. going to base our business processes based on what the data is showing today. So I'm excited. And actually just a, a plug for the report. It comes out this week in Boston, right? 
Yeah, so the main report came out on Monday. So um, it's out. Go and get it. Um, <laughs> There are spinoffs of this report. So we do about five different spinoffs and the newest spinoff will be out on Friday. So we're going to have a bunch of buyer bios and it's essentially 20 different profiles. So looking in depth at a single female buyer who's 18% of the market, that's huge. Um, and we give you 20 different data points on her and her home buying practice, looking at unmarried couples, looking at those people who say that pets are number one. Um, and we give you in-depth data. So it's about 400 different data points on all of these biographies of buyers. Wow. I think that's sweet. Yeah, it's awesome. Right? Yeah. So let's see here. The main report was released on Monday. And where do they yeah. go to download that main report? Or do you have uh, to buy it? Realtor. You can grab it on the store. The highlights are there for free. All the information is there. Tons of infographics already posted on the report. Um, if you're at the annual convention, I'm going to be doing a bunch of presentations. So I will be there talking about this. Awesome. Do you do a book signing? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I will. I will sign your iPhone because it's only. <laughs> <laughs> Well All done. right, but well Phil, done. Phil easily likes buyer. to brush. Yeah, but we're not done with buyers where I'm at. Like we, we said one, and you loved her answer so much. You're like, okay, how about seller? Like, what were number two, two and three? As for the <laughs> top three, the what's two and three for the buyer before okay. we move over to the seller? All right, so in no particular order because it's going to change based on a first time versus repeat buyer. All right, so when you're looking for all buyers, number one, finding the right home. Understanding the process for your first-time home buyers. They've never gone through this again, uh, this process. Understanding the faults and features in a process. Do not get overwhelmed by the granite and the stainless steel. See if you have a leaky roof. And the that's faults where and features, is that what you said? Yes, the faults and features of an actual property. So actually understanding what is this property besides all the shininess that I see right here. Behind, besides... And behind that home staging, what's going on in this home that that realtor expert can tell you that no one else can. They're going to bring that expertise. Yeah, they're going to bring that inspection That's in. That's actually what they're looking for. Hey, I love this. Yeah. Great. This is great. Yeah. Stuff. That's number two. Top three. And then helping negotiate that contract. They've never yeah. gone through this process. All buyers have confusion on that. So those are the top ones. Um, and when they're looking for an agent, they want your reputation. They want a reputable agent. They want someone who's honest. They want the expertise in the neighborhood. Those are the top sort of behavioral traits that they're looking for. Yeah, can you talk about that? So number one for the, I guess the top three for an agent before we get to the seller was what? Yeah. Honesty and trustworthy, reputation, um, and just understanding the neighborhood and the real estate process. The, those ones all together. They're all together. They're all in the top 90s percentiles for those. Nice. It's not surprising. Awesome. And the, those traits are the selling side as well. When you go look for an agent, you want someone who's honest, who's trustworthy, who has a good reputation. You want them to be an expert in their field and you want them to be an expert in that neighborhood. How, what is, do consumers say that realtors puff a lot? <laughs> you know, I didn't collect a data point on that one. You didn't? I thought you were talking about, there were some interesting data points. Maybe I missed. Oh, understood okay. that conversation earlier. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, we work in a very competitive marketplace and you said, I want to be an expert. And when I compete a lot that uh -huh. I hear that they said we're, they're, they're interviewing three, the three top number one teams in the, in the Valley. How can that be? And then the guy that Lister house is not one of those that I am familiar with. So, but so I don't know. 
Uh, okay. Any data on that? Tough, tough. Sorry, I just. Yeah, tough. I don't know where you're going with that. Well, no, because no, I just I feel that putting the consumer first is a part of it is is being honest with what you really are based upon your experience. And we try and push people for more reviews to demonstrate. But I think what this inter- another thing I learned from this interview is that we need to get more reviews on Realtor.com because we don't have enough reviews. Oh my gosh, it's Are morning. You okay, Are you all right. Is the lamp yeah, falling? Just in a hotel room. It was just the light. It's uh, it's good. We'll fix it later. Okay. <laughs> okay. So in wrapping up, because no, uh, uh, wrapping up, sellers. Okay. So, oh, sellers. Yeah. What the yeah. heck? Yeah. So sellers. Okay. Selling your home within. A, that time frame that you actually want to sell it in. So within that short time frame, especially when you talk about those sellers who have been holding onto that property for an extended period of time, when they finally can sell and they want to sell, they want to do it within a specific time frame. Um, wow. Especially timing that to school districts or the new job or something that they really want to um, do. Uh-huh. Actually pricing that home competitively, very difficult in this market with home prices shifting, uh, marketing that home. When you look at FISBOs, they don't know how to market their home. They, they're they not marketing their home for the most part. Um, right. So actually marketing their home and then finding that qualified buyer for their home. Those are the top four things. Wow. Four? Did I miss one? Yep. Which one did I? Wait a minute. Can you say the four one time more frame, time? Selling time within frame. a specific time frame, pricing the home competitively, uh, finding a qualified buyer. And, and marketing. Yes, and marketing that home. And they all, they all switch. Um, but I would say that they have been close to 20% in recent years. Um, but one of those is trailing around 14% right now. So, Are, are the consumers still feeling the importance of a realtor during the yeah. search during the search process? So during the actual home buying process, I will say that the use of an agent on the buying side is at 87%. It's near an all-time high. People, even when they're, cert- when they're buying through a builder, they're actually using an agent to represent them during that process. So they really want agent representation. On the selling side, FISBOs are actually at 7%. It's the lowest number that we've ever recorded since 1981. That is really really impressive. And that really shows how much our buyers and sellers are saying, I liked my agent. I liked the process that I went through because I like my agent who represented me through that. And I'll use that agent again and I'll recommend them to others. And that's really where... Uh, most buyers and sellers are finding their agent is through recommendations, through referrals, having that good experience, and then referring them on. Nice. Nice. Yes. Wonderful. How many data points do you track? In this report, uh, there's like 200 charts, um, and we have about 200 reports that we do uh, every year. So the ones that you named were the big ones, but uh, there is a lot of reports that we do here at NAR Research. Do you break them down regionally? Um, we break as much as we can down regionally. There are some reports that it's it's not able to do that or it's more of a national issue. Um, but for this report, some of the data points are broken down on a regional level. Yeah. Okay. All right. So do we have any questions out for our audience? Uh, anyone that wants to ask Jessica a question, now would be the time. As we're getting ready to wrap up, I yeah. actually have another question I, for you. I do too. Okay. But I'll let Jeff go first. Um, well, I want to know what – we should have asked that we didn't ask that you learn that you're like, don't, oh, don't be so dumb. Questions. Don't be so dumb. No, what's you, your, this is the point, And this is what you should be doing more of. Good. What, what do you, what do you know that we need to, we need to know? 
Um, okay, so I talked about the drop in children under the age of 18. I think it's fascinating. The drop in marriage rates in the country is also mirroring what we're seeing on the home buying side. So we're seeing for first time home buyers, a little over half are married, but there's a growing share who are unmarried couples, the largest that we've ever recorded unmarried couples out there purchasing homes. So maybe they'll get married in the future, but they're not married now. Um, and we're seeing single females. They've always been second only to married couples in the market, but they are a significant share. It's 18% of all buyers. Um, but we're also this year, we've, we've always seen single males trail behind. This year, we saw a growth in single males in the market. I think that's really interesting. Um, so they're actually starting to get out there, purchase a home, choosing not to get married. Um, maybe they'll get married later, but they're out there buying. Um, there's also a golden girls phenomenon, I guess you can, you can say, um, they are, <laughs> they are, uh, not romantic partners purchasing homes together, um, likely have a legal contract in place. We don't ask detailed questions on that. Um, but they're actually a share of the market as well. So, uh, know the value of homeownership, see the wealth building, uh, tool that homeownership can be and want to purchase a home. Yeah, I mean, we see a lot more divorces leading to that situation, to be honest with you, where they have walked out of the baby boomer relationship they had, and but they're well-funded, so they but they want to own themselves. They, they want the pride of ownership. So, so yep. across the country, we, got a, we have a comment from one of our visitors, but I'm just curious, how many home buyers were there? I know you studied 7,000 of them. That's mm-hmm. a sample of how big? That's a great question. So we send out the survey to between 150,000 and 200,000 on an annual basis. Um, So for this particular year, our response rate was about 5%. Um, That's about what you probably will get from a mail survey from someone who doesn't know us necessarily. Um, Mm -hmm. You mail out these surveys. Um, So it is paper that goes to someone's uh, mailbox. So we're not getting vacation buyers. We're not getting investors. We're only getting primary residence buyers. Um, So it is a particular segment of the market. um, But we do that on purpose. And we we want to be able to track primary residence buyers as opposed to vacation and investors. Okay. So then you feel the comment from our, from Mm -hmm. uh, Facebook, I can't see the name of the commentary. Oh, Jim Mitchell. I could have guessed Jim. Good to see you. The home buyer survey, naturally a higher number would be better, but do you feel that 7,000 surveys you received back is an accurate representation of buyers given that home sales? He said, given that home sales exceeded 6 million in 2017. We do. Yeah, we absolutely do. So we want to make sure in all of our research that we do at NAR that our margin of errors are really tight. And that's the nerdy way of saying, what's your number? Is it plus or minus what? And our margin of error on the profile of home buyers and sellers is just over 1%. Um, so we are very confident in the data that we're getting back. You can't survey 6 million people. You can't survey 4 million people. Um, but what you can do statistically is say, is this representative of the population? And we can confidently say yes. And, and we can confidently so, believe you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So your, uh, hold on one second. I just want to make sure that I get this right. Your thesis mm-hmm. is titled, is the dream still alive? Question mark. What's the answer? Yes. The dream of homeownership is very strong. Um, right now, what I'm really looking at. with that answer? 
I'm sure. Um, what I'm looking at really is the drop in the homeownership rate for African-Americans, Hispanic Americans, and those under the age of 35 and how it has it rebounded since the recession. Um, so we know that those populations want to own homes. Um, we know through the profile of home buyers and sellers that they're getting into homeownership if they can, if they have higher incomes, if they have parental help. Um, but we know that those three populations are having a hard time entering today. And, and what's your favorite stat that you, of all the 200 reports that you do and all the <laughs> 5 million data points, what's the favorite thing that you track? All right. So the favorite thing of late has been the animal numbers. I have two cats. I had a dog. She passed away. Um, But I really had my own home buying decisions, really. Uh, My pets factored in and we're seeing that. Um, The other thing that I'm really loving that I'm working on right now is on Friday, we're going to release a report called Real Estate and Marijuana, a budding issue. Clever. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. So um, we're looking at the commercial and residential impact of marijuana and looking at the states and actually seeing um, in states where it's legal for prescription use only and then recreational and prescription. How much are our members actually being impacted by this? Are they leasing? Do they have addendums? Um, what's happening there? So that's been a fun report to, to work on. So that's as far as the member profile report as opposed to the home buyer and seller report. So it's not the member profile itself, but it is a survey of members. Of members, gotcha. And what is the average age of realtors these days? So it's been tracking down. Um, It's still in the mid 50s. Uh, We did see it peak um, around 58. Uh, But in the last few years, it's been tracking down. I think we're at about 54 right now. Uh, There's a lot of new members who are entering the business. We're actually seeing a growth in younger members. Uh, Still much, it's still... Not a lot of younger members out there, but we are seeing younger members enter. Okay, I got a question. Good. So um, are you seeing, if you're querying members, more agents be a part of a corporation versus the W-2 versus the 1099? Is that a trend that you track? So, yeah, that's a great question. I don't think those shares are actually changing in recent years. I think that we're still seeing that most people are contractors. Now, we did just release a report on real estate teams. Um, that's a, that's obviously a growing issue. Um, and people are working on real estate teams. They're embracing that model. Uh, but I don't know as far as contractor versus employee, if I looked at those numbers, if there's been any change in that. Yeah, so I mean, when you see when a you, big shift in it. So I don't know if it's something that we can get you to track, but not that you have to. Yeah. But I just think that we – I mean – Redfin has employees and yep. Open Door yep. has employees. Absolutely. And, you know, I wonder how many agents that Zillow employs. And, you know, we have employees on our teams that are agents as well. Sure. I so, thought it was fascinating that when she talked about real estate teams, she said the real estate teams issue. I mean, hot topic. I don't mean issue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Hot topic. Gotcha. Hot topic. I, thought, <laughs> I think we actually got a hot topic report. So... <laughs> So do you know what percentage of uh, business is done by teams or members is by teams? Okay. So it's more than a quarter for teams of agents are, are a member of a team. Um, I don't know the exact number, but I know that it's more than a quarter. So uh, we have seen growth in that. Hmm? Okay. Is yeah. it continued to, to, is it still heading upwards like that number? 
So we've only done one in-depth report on real estate teams. Um, as far as collecting that data point on other reports, though, we have collected one-off data points. It's different populations, so it's not an apples-to-apples -apples comparison. We're hearing it anecdotally from our members, though, that it's increasing. So that's why we wanted to do the report on it. Mm, awesome. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is we went to Zillow, and it seems like the industry is almost favoring – I'm sorry. The consumers are wanting what they called – a consumer, uh, a corporate like response mm -hmm. rather than a personal response. I mean, like an individual mm -hmm. that their demand for data is so, I don't know, acute. I don't know if that's the right word, but they want it so fast that individuals, you know, it's uh, hard to live your life when you're held to that standard all the time. You get jittery, even, you know. Even when we're on a podcast. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, even yeah. when we're talking. <laughs> Wait, was that a lead? Oh, all right. Well, that, I mean, how many times do you go? Do you usually go to NAR's conference? Uh, so I'm an NAR employee. So I, I usually go to uh, every year. Every year. Um, Couple yeah. times a year. Well, I didn't know. I mean, I'd sometimes, I mean, we went to Zillow and all the Zillow employees weren't there. So, oh, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's just, yeah. I mean, you're, you're you're a higher up. You're presenting, of course. I, you know, I, good luck on the presentation. Yeah, by good the way. luck. What's your Thank title you. of your presentation? Uh, the favorite one. The favorite one. Oh, my favorite one is uh, High Times in Real Estate. That's on the marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to get a sense of who you are as a person here, Jessica. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Where do you live? Yeah, DC. <laughs> is it legal in DC? <laughs> is that is that affecting your buying? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, before you answer that and incriminate anything, uh, it was it was, it was Thank awesome. You. Thank you so Thank much. You, you certainly you. did not disappoint in any way. You were spectacular. Oh, I loved it. Thank you. Maybe we can have you back on once you're doctor, Jessica. Oh, oh yes, doctor. Yes. Yes. Nice. All right. Good luck. Right. Thank you. Hey, happy Wednesday. Thanks Thank for your you. time. We really appreciate it. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Solution hosted by Jeff Seabock and Phil Sexton. Stay up to date by following us on soundcloud.com forward slash Ask Jeff and Phil or download the Apple Podcast app and search for The Solution hosted by Jeff Seabock and Phil Sexton. You can find links to all of our social media platforms in our description, including a Facebook group link to the solution presented by Ask Jeff and Phil. If you have questions, please leave a comment below, and we will answer those questions on Facebook Live, Mondays and Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Mountain Standard Time.